I was in a place where I was like drinking a lot to like numb what I was feeling. So I was yeah. like, oh my God, now I have to feel what I'm feeling type of thing. So for me, that was I like- I note about that with drinking. This is like my one thing where I don't know if maybe I just like to punish myself or, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know how a lot of people will like to drink, not even to numb themselves because that's more of like what happens later if you're like sad and trying to hide it. Yeah. But I think a lot of people like to drink because maybe they feel anxiety or they're shy or they're nervous. So whether it's dating or like a work event, they're like, oh, I need a drink or two just so I could be the best version of myself mm-hmm. or I don't feel inhibited. So for me, my mentality has always been, no, you're just going to have to learn to be social mm-hmm. because if you need a drink to be with this person, you don't like them. Yep. And yeah. so maybe that means you should leave. That's how I am like now. Like now yeah. that I've gone to them, like I don't need to have a drink. If I have a drink, it's because I want to, but I don't really drink a lot anymore. Isn't like, it crazy? I, I don't get the urge to drink. Hey guys, it's your girl, Nahama, your favorite Jew from the Lou. Welcome back to my podcast. We have a very special guest. I'm so excited. We're up to episode 10. And a little backstory, a lot of people who knew about this podcast before it went live, I said I wasn't going to go live till I had 10 podcast episodes. And I went live after eight just because on my vision board, I put August 31st. So I was like, got to do it. August 31st, we're here for it. So today we have Lau Silva all the way from Omen Coffee. <laughs> That's what your home away from home is these days. This moment, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But about you um, breaking the rules, girl, you make your rules. And if you felt right to launch early, then you got to go for it. Yeah. Thank you. Anyways, Lau is actually a podcaster to be. (laughs) So this is her warming up, kind of getting into it. And anyone who is like from the local St. Louis community area knows that Omen Coffee has like an amazing community. And a big part of that is because of Lau. Um, <laughs> so I, I was sitting in the back. I was really zoned in. I wasn't being super social, but I saw Lau come in and she was there with her family and you didn't even know me then. Mm-mm. But like, I remember seeing you. I remember, you? I remember like what you were wearing. I remember you like, I think you were wearing like dark, you were wearing combat boots for sure. Oh yeah. I remember that. And you were like <laughs> all techie in the back and I'm like, she looks like a badass. No way. But yes, I remember seeing you. I just, I didn't speak to you that day because I didn't know anyone. Right. Well, also, you were there with your family. You were mm-hmm. talking to Mark. And I heard him, like, say to you about how, like, oh, this is going to be so great. We're so excited to have her here. And I'm like, ah, a newbie. All right. <laughs> I'm like, well, she doesn't know this, but I come all the time. And she's going to know me. And I've said before, but, like, one of my favorite things about you is that typically when you get to know someone, you have to warm up. It takes a few experiences, a few different conversations, a lot of exposure. And then eventually, if there's the good energy, you connect. But what's really special about you is that you're so warm and so easy to talk to. Every person who comes across you that I've talked to about you, we all say the same thing. It's so crazy to me. (laughs) Which is that you're just such an easy person to get to know and you make everyone feel like they're your friend. And we all just went loud time. Oh, that's a true thing. Everybody always wants to hang out, but that's something that I think – in this season of my life, I'm becoming more aware of because when I was younger, people would always open up to me, but I'd never understood why. Like I just thought, I'm like, oh, maybe I just look like a good person to talk to. I never really understood why people feel so comfortable talking to me. And I think you putting it like that, like I guess it's a feeling that I give off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's 
it's a blessing and it could be a curse too because sometimes I'm like not ready to hear. And it's not that I don't want to, but sometimes because I am also really empathetic, um, I take on when people tell me things and I feel their pain and everything. So it's a good thing and a bad thing. But I think for the most part, it's a blessing because it allows me to really connect with people. I don't like small talk. I don't like the hi, bye, how you doing? See you later, the quick five minutes. I want to like get to truly know people deep down. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, I am really grateful that I was blessed, I guess, with that. I would say it's like a gift, I guess. It is a gift. It's something that I also have experienced too. But I think it a lot of it could be like your face. If you have a really friendly, warm face, people are like, oh, she looks like she cares. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. It's something I've had to learn to find the balance over the years. But big part of the reason why I wanted to have you on here, aside from like your warm personality, which I knew (laughs) would just like speak through this episode, I wanted to talk about how you landed in St. Louis because you're from Miami Mm -hmm. and most people are trying to migrate there. I know. (laughs) They're not trying to come here and you don't even have family here. I know. So I want you to share with the audience how you got here. How you got here. Okay. So first, yeah, it's crazy. Whenever I mention to someone or anybody at the shop, especially that I'm from Miami, everyone thinks I'm crazy. They're like, wait, what? Like I literally make people break necks, stop in their tracks, and they look at me like a deer in headlights. Why did you leave Miami type of thing? And I'm like, okay, do you have five seconds like or five minutes? I'll tell you my story and it'll all make sense type of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a little bit of backstory on how I ended up out here. And yes, like she's right. I have no family here. I'm building my own family with my friends and people that I spend time with. And it's like chosen family. But my entire family is in Miami. My extended family is all in Colombia. Um, I was actually born in Colombia and moved to the States. Um, I think I was five. I didn't going know on that. six. Yes. So I actually am an immigrant. Um, and I moved to Miami when I was five, turning six. Um, our family was just, you know, Colombia is a third world country. There's just a lot going on there. And a lot was going on when I was very young. They were kidnapping a lot of kids. They were trying to get money out of people. And then my parents also realized like, there's just no future. There's no opportunity there for growth. Both of my parents are very hard working individuals, very resilient people, and they just wanted more for their for their family. So they decided to make that move. Um, and I think that's kind of where my whole story starts because as an immigrant, you're forced, as an immigrant child, you're forced to grow up really fast because your parents don't learn the language as quickly as you do. They don't know what they're doing either. Like it, I just when I think about my mom, she was I think she had to have been 26, 27, I think, when she moved here with three kids. Wow. Yeah. That's just crazy to think about because I'm 27. So even just having three kids. Yes. And then just think about moving to a whole new country where you don't know the language, but you're trying to create a better future. For them. I think we hear a lot of immigrant stories, but I don't think a lot of us understand mm-hmm. what that means. Yeah. It's – um. It's like it's literally jumping into the complete unknown and it's essentially like truly burning your boats. Like you know that you're coming here to force, you know, a new life, like to force something good to come out of this new opportunity. But you don't like there's no looking back. Like you don't want to look back. My parents, a lot of people that I know that have families that have come, have gone back. And my parents were like, we're not going back. We know that there's nothing for them there. Like meaning me and my sisters, um, they knew that there was nothing for us there. They knew I just... I don't know how they knew. They just knew that this is where we had to be. And as a kid growing up, um, like my older sister, I think, had it the hardest because she was the oldest. But you have it hard because 
Your parents are in a, in, a, in a country where they've never spoken the language. As kids, you learn so much faster. You absorb knowledge so much quicker than an adult does. So we ended up learning the language much faster than they did so that we had to translate everything to them. We had to basically help them figure everything out. So we took we, we felt all of that impact on us too. At such a young age, it forces you to grow up really fast. So I think that just changes kid forever. Um and that kind of just, you know, growing up, I mean, uh, we grew up really, really fast. We grew up very independent. My mom was very uh, particular about just making sure that, like, we didn't need anything from anybody around us. Like, we could get everything ourselves. She taught us how to cook. She taught us how to do everything. Like, we would prep our own lunches at a very young age, do everything on our own. She would wake us up and be like, okay, it's time to start cleaning. Typical Hispanic household. So she basically just made us little women from a very young age. Um, which I'm forever grateful for, but something that I know you wanted to touch on, the whole feminine feminine energy, um, it kind of made us very masculine energy. It made us, it had us in survival mode because when she was teaching us these things, she was in survival mode. So she naturally, without knowing, passed that on to us. And so this is going to lead into how I ended up here. But um, I grew up with, you know, this not like on purpose. I was just kind of just living my life how I how I knew to live it. Um, and it was always just not needing anything from anybody, but I wouldn't walk around acting like that. I just always knew that if something happened, I could figure it out. Like I was just always very, um, like, so, like just very rely, like relying on myself. And all of my relationships were like affected because of that. Now that I look back at it, um, I couldn't find someone who was more masculine than me because I was a masculine in the energy in the relationship. So I always gravitated towards people that or men that were more um, feminine energy, like a little bit more. Isn't as that like, crazy though? Yeah. There's always a yeah. balance. Yeah. I think the hardest thing is, is like all women, I'm so, I so believe this to my core that like all women really want a masculine guy, but I think we don't know how to step out for masculine energy. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that masculine energy, if you do come across a masculine man, he's not going to be attracted to you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's like the unhealed version of you is not ready for the, what the healed version of you deserves. And you can't have two alphas. You just can't. So that's you like you either mess it up or the person's just not going to want to look your way. And so I dated a couple people like in my past and just very insecure men, very men that just just did not step up to like the man role that I wanted in my life, that I now want in my life. When I look back and I was young, I was super young. Um, and although I have nothing bad to say about my ex-boyfriend, because at the end of the day, like it's a good thing. It gave me life lessons, gave me a lot of beautiful experiences. Um, that was our dynamic. I was much more masculine. He was much more feminine in the sense of not like feminine, like feminine energy, like vibes, but just he relied on me more than I could rely on him. Um, I was a lot more resourceful. I was a lot stronger. I was a lot, I mean, obviously I still am a woman, so I was a lot more emotional, but I was also just, I think I was just light years ahead, like maturity wise as well. And I think that took a big hit on us. And we were together for eight years. We broke up a few times when we were young. And then the last time that we broke up, um, it really shook me because I thought I was going to marry this person. Like, 
I talk about it now, looking back, like I know that it wasn't going to work out for me. But in the moment, like while I was still in my relationship, I thought it was going to work out. Like I, I think a lot of I've been talking to a lot of my friends about relationships recently, and it's not as black and white as the romance novels or like oh my god, Hollywood at makes all. it be. And so the problem is, is that like no one's all good and no one's all bad. Mm -hmm. And I think also this is a societal thing that we probably should work on. But a lot of times we only talk about the negative things in our relationship to other people. We don't share the sweet moments Mm -hmm. because when we're having those sweet moments, we're experiencing them and we're in them. And it's just, you're in this little like pink bubble, right? And so no one really hears that. So then if you guys have issues or if you guys break up, people are like, oh, well, I mean, come on. Like Mm -hmm. we saw all the signs and Mm -hmm. it's like, but it's not that simple. Yeah. Um, So before we move on, I actually am curious. So your parents, I actually had another immigrant story on a previous episode and she talked about how she and her husband actually, even though they immigrated here together, they ended up getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And she told me that a lot of immigrant couples do get divorced Mm -hmm. because it is so challenging. Yeah. So are your parents still together? No. They're not. So I moved here um, and I started kindergarten. So I got here in August 1999, went straight to school. Our parents like wanted me make us have the most normal experience as we got here as kids. So we did that. And in, when I was in second grade, my parents got divorced. So they did not make it. And then the reality of it all, um, mom, if you're listening, I'm going to spill a secret. <laughs> but my mom and my dad's relationship wasn't the healthiest, even mm-hmm. in Colombia. Um, my mom and my dad got married. My mom was 16 when she got married. My dad was 21 mm-hmm. or 20. I forgot the age difference. Um, and they like they got married secretly. They, they got married in a church, but they got married secretly because my grandmother my mom's mom was living in the u.s already and she wanted my mom to move there to move here because we're here (laughs) but my mom didn't want to move she was in love with my dad so they Mm. got married and she stayed behind with my dad yeah um and there was just a lot of toxicity in the relationship um some uh infidelity and just just not like good things and my mom in the Hispanic culture, a woman who is divorced, especially if you're still living in that country, a woman who is divorced is kind of seen as like a failure, kind of like she's useless or she's kind of like no longer good because she's not a married woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's been used because she has kids. You know what I mean? Like she kind of loses her value. Yeah. And my mom knew that if she divorced my dad, um, it would kind of be one of those things where she would kind of like have that. It would be worse. That almost. status. Yeah. And so she really did. And my mom tried very hard to make the relationship work. And my dad, so she figured if I move to the States with him, maybe we, maybe this will be better for us. Maybe this would be like a brand new start, uh, a brand new opportunity to make things better. Like it's a new, it's a new environment. It's a new experience. We have to rely on each other to make things work. And it just ultimately didn't work. There was just a lot of stress. Both of my parents have had a lot of trauma go on in their lives. I know more about my mom's than I know about my dad's, but I know about my dad's. And I think they were young when everything was going on. Like, I I don't even know how they got as far as they did together so young with all the, you know, all of the playing parts in their stories. Um, and I think when you're put in high stress situations like that, like you're just, you're not you, you know, and you're not able to really process life how you want to process it. And I think that really affected them a lot. Yeah. Um, I do have a lot of scenarios and a lot of very vivid memories of my mom and my dad fighting like very, very badly. Um, there was one time that my dad jumped out of a moving car. Like we were all in a car together driving back. I'm pretty sure we were coming back from like the Florida Keys and he just jumped out of the car because they were fighting. 
And, like, you're a kid. You see your dad jump out of a car. You think he's dead. Right. So, like, it was just – I think about those things and I get emotional because I just remember, like, how bad it got. I almost prefer them how they are now, separated, and each with their own person because I feel like they generally have found their person now. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, the – That's really good to hear that they both found some right person. Yeah. You know, they were ha- yeah. they had that opportunity to blossom into the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that is a hard decision to make. And I think what's so crazy is like no matter what religion or um, culture you're in or country, there is this concept of like women have a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to not be single by a certain age. Yep. I think it's – I actually watched a really interesting video where it talked about like different cultures. It's different ages yeah. of when it is. But essentially like I think in China they call them the leftover women. At what age? I think it's 25. I think it's 25. I'm very expired. (laughs) No, seriously. Like same for me as well. Like in the Jewish Orthodox community, it's like very young age. Like already when I was 23, 24, there was a lot of pressure where people like, okay, listen, you're not getting any younger. You shouldn't be so picky. Um, I remember- In the Hispanic culture, it's definitely like you have- it's yeah. expected of you to find someone, all of that, yeah. But what's so crazy, in addition to that, is it's no one really cares so much about your emotional well-being once you're married, whether you're happy or have a good mm-hmm. marriage. It's just that you so are married. married. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, good. Let, one less woman we have to worry about, right? And then it's like, if you do end up getting divorced, and I don't think divorce is the worst thing because obviously there are mm-hmm. marriages that are just should not be or mm-hmm. they've had their season. And so when you get divorced, then what ends up happening is – then, like you said, a woman has less value because she has kids because mm-hmm. she's already been married. And she's been in like like as quote unquote like used. Right. And then but she's usually older at that point as well. So there's that in addition to everything else. And it's just it's so it's so crazy. There's so much pressure. And um one of my next guests that I actually have coming on, we're gonna be talking a lot about this, where she comes from a small town in Missouri where it's like there'll be people who'll be married for 40 plus years. Uh, when you first hear that, you're probably like, oh, yeah, 40 but years. sometimes it's not for the best. Usually it's not for the best. Yeah. And that's what's so crazy because you hear a lot of people comparing and they're like, well, my grandparents' age, they were married forever, but were they happy? Was it a fulfilling marriage? Were they bringing out the best in each other? And I know there's seasons where it could be tough, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like to point out like marriage. I think when you're married for that long, it, it's going to be hard because mm-hmm. we're like, human beings are forever evolving and forever changing. So you have to be okay with the person that you're with changing into someone else and still choosing to love them. I heard there's like seven versions mm-hmm. who that person will become. Mm-hmm. So you're quite literally marrying seven different people if yeah. you stay with that person for and that long. And it's a choice to make it work, like staying that long. I mean, back then, divorce was not a very common thing. I think it's more so common these days. I think people give up on things too easily these days too. I agree. I really do. I think people say, oh, we're just not meant to be versus like trying to make something work. But sometimes, granted, there are some things that should be like, okay, we really tried it, knocked it. It's not for us type of thing. And and sometimes like it just takes like going through that to learn it. But it's just, I feel like divorce these days too is kind of like a cop out sometimes. And I also do think our generation is working on a lot of generational trauma healing that our parents didn't go through. So I think we're also becoming more aware of things that we want and don't want. And I think as we do that, as people do that, and if you're in a relationship and you're doing that, then you start to think, does the healed version, like my, like the healed version of myself want this person or is the unhealed version of me? want that person. And I think that's why there's a lot of also separations these days. 
Um, just like something else to add on in there too. I think that that's a big player and like people splitting up these days as well. Yeah. You do have to catch that. The what? Because I felt that. I was like, I've definitely been there where <laughs> I've like seen people who I'm like attracted to based on like who I used to be mm-hmm. for before I've like healed certain parts of myself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your type. Yeah. And it's like interesting because they say a lot of times like girls are attracted to their fathers or like their brothers or like personalities like that. And my dad's personality completely changed when he got dementia. So like before he got dementia, he was old school provider, right? Like for him, the way he showed love was by working hard. Mm-hmm. And that was enough. And I just didn't really see a lot of him growing up, you know, like he was very loving when he was around, but it just wasn't like a doting father. And he wasn't very, um, like very open about like how he loved us. He just did it through like providing and forgiving and gift giving. Right. And so then when he got dementia and he quite literally couldn't work or be the provider for the family anymore, that was very hard for him. But it was also like, my mom said that dementia saved their marriage. Because what ended up happening is, I guess whatever happened in his brain with dementia, it broke down that barrier that I think a lot of men have where he didn't feel inhibited anymore to say how he felt. And like he's constantly telling my mom how much he loves her. He asked her to marry him like four times a day now. And he's like always like giving her little massages and little hugs. And he's my mom's like, where was this our whole marriage? She's like, this is great. I (laughs) love this. It's a better late than never type of situation. But it's sad that it took that happening. But it's very interesting because I've noticed the types of guys that I've been attracted to before my dad got dementia versus now. Mm -hmm. I like guys who are more like open and soft and sweet and like can be like very good with their communication and how they feel. Which is so different than the type that I was into before. before yeah, Isn't that interesting. Uh, absolutely, I think in the last couple of years of me like doing a lot of work on healing a lot of my trauma as a kid, and also just like what I guess all I've known my whole life, I can catch myself finding somebody physically attractive, but when I break them down, I'm like, man, two years ago, Lao would have been like all up on it. Now, Lao is like, I don't think it's the right thing. This person's got some stuff that I don't want to have to carry too until they deal with their stuff, I guess, essentially. Yeah. It does. It changes as you evolve as a person who you're attracted to. And it's kind of cool that you have that you can have like that self-awareness to be like, I would have done this, but I'm choosing not to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Yeah. But it is cool to catch yourself because you're like, wow, this is like 2.0 me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's growth. I did interrupt you though. You were saying about how we were right in the middle of your story, how you ended up here yes. from Miami. So I was just touching on like the whole, we were talking about uh, immigrant parents getting divorced and yes, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think I was touching about my relationships and whole, and so like I just found myself in a relationship um, with somebody who, when we were in a relationship together, he was great. He was, how you say, very soft. He was very supportive, very sweet, very loving, very like... Um, he was always, like, confirming his love for me, like, all the time. Like, I just – I always knew that he loved me. But then at the same time, like, he had a terrible, um, like, form. Like, he just didn't communicate how he actually felt. It was more so just saying the right things versus actually saying the true things. And our relationship ended very suddenly, uh, which was really hard for me because we were living together with his parents. Um, so, like, in – like, sit, like – like literally the spur of the moment I had to pack all my stuff. Like it took me, I timed myself because I wanted to know. I knew that this time around, because this was the third time he had done the same thing to me. Um, I knew that I wasn't going to put up with it anymore because I had put in a lot of work on myself. 
um, in the last year and a half before my relationship ended. Um, it's I don't want to go on a tangent, but I went through a lot of things that put me into a depression, and I found myself just in a really, really bad place in my life. Um, I had met a complete stranger one day that I guess she saw me. She saw like the real me because who I am now is not who I was for those two years that I was dealing with my depression. And I think she saw that like a little glimmer of my light, I would say. And she told me, she was like, I feel like there's someone really happy in there that's dying to come out, but like you're not letting her come out. I have chills. Yeah. That's so powerful. Yeah. She... Um, I met her through like network marketing. I used to be in network marketing, just like for side money. You know, everyone, you know, struggle out here. Literally. <laughs> money however you can. <laughs> um, and I met some really great people and I remember her and she's like, I feel like you're meant to do great things and you're meant to do big things, but it's like you're like blocking whatever like that is inside of you from coming out. And that kind of triggered me to do a lot of work in myself. A lot of my friends saw that I was struggling a lot. She saved you. Physically, yeah. I call people like that earth angels. Yeah, I believe it. If you were to meet her, she really is like that. Um, and she doesn't even live in the – like, she's in Florida. She lives in a different state. I've only had the chance to meet her, but, like, we connected through Zoom and through FaceTime, and just – she's a great person. Um, but we basically, like I, – I would share a lot with my friends about what I was going through. I would never really share my struggles with my family because I didn't want anyone to worry or feel, like, bad or sad for me um, because I also – Part of me knew, like, I was putting myself, I was choosing to stay in that situation. So I was like, well, I can't, I can't, like, look and say, like, this is anybody else's fault but my own. I've always been very self-aware, too. Um, so a couple of my friends were like, you need to do something about it. I stumbled across 75 hard, which I don't know if you've, you know what it is. Okay. I've done it a few times. Yeah. Attempted it more yeah. than I've accomplished it, <laughs> but yeah. So once I set my mind to something, I don't, I will not fail. Like, I just, I I would do anything in my power to not fail. So I knew that it was a mental toughness program. I also knew that it was going to have side effects, like side effects in the sense of like physical changes as well. And I really wanted it in that moment because I grew up an athlete. I grew up playing soccer. I grew up running. I was always very in shape. But when I got that happened, when I've always loved working out, when that happened to me, I put on a lot of weight. I was in the depression. Um, that program is kind of like what snowballed everything in my life to change. And I did the program. I did this the first 75 days. And then I found out that it has like a year-long program that went with it. So I ended up doing phase one. I, I took like a two-day break because Andy, the creator, is always like, don't take more than two days off when you're trying to build healthy habits. Like don't don't go more than two days without doing like the right things. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take two days to just rest because I was physically exhausted. Should we take a moment to like just break down what 75 heart is for we anyone out here who doesn't know? Yeah. Okay. I'm so why don't you, you, you share. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it, like I kept saying, it's a mental toughness program, but basically it's, uh, I don't even know if it's like five tasks. It is. Is yeah. it five tasks? I would seven. So seven. It's uh, drinking a gallon of water every single day, um, taking a progress picture every day, reading 10 pages of a personal development or like a business book, something that helps you grow, not like a novel or anything like that. Can't be an ebook. It has to be like and an it has actual to be a physical book. book. Which also, love other that. people read ebooks. Like, I love the feel of a real book. Same. Like, I, I don't, people have sent me all the time because I love reading like links to Kindles and I'm like, thanks, but no thanks. I right. want like a real book. Um, so, reading 10 pages, um, picking a diet. So, sticking to a diet, you follow a diet that, you know, that's what I like about the program. It's like scalable. Like, wherever you are 
in your journey, like you can make it work. Well, the one thing I will say though, the caveat to that is with the diet, you can't have like desserts. No process. Yeah. So it's no cheat meals. So it's not like, oh, you can just oh, only have one dessert this yeah. week and it'll be fine. Like, no, like it's. You have to be. Yeah. It's, it's, you, it's, it's essentially, it's a commitment, but it's also a sacrifice. You have to give up stuff that makes you feel comfortable. Like mm-hmm. when you eat a lot of sweet stuff, you're looking, you're, the deep down, the real issue is like you're seeking comfort. So it's like getting uncomfortable in every single essence of your life. So no cheat meals, no alcohol, which is, I think is such a good thing. Yeah. Um, And not the alcohol. I think it's so funny how many people freak out about the no alcohol thing. I know. I did at first too. I won't lie. Did you? Yes. Of all the things, I think I just, I'm not a big drinker. So that was never a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. If anything, every time that I've ever been on 75 Hard and like accomplished it or at least attempted it. I've always loved that I had the excuse to be like, well, can't can do drink. it. <laughs> my bad. It's yeah. not my fault. 75 hard's crazy. Well, I was in a place where I was like drinking a lot to like numb what I was feeling. So I was yeah. like, oh my God, now I have to feel what I'm feeling type of thing. So for me, that so was I like- I note about that with drinking. This is like my one thing where I don't know if maybe I just like to punish myself or- <laughs> But it's like, you know how a lot of people will like to drink, not even to numb themselves, because that's more of like what happens later if you're like sad and trying to hide it. Yeah. But I think a lot of people like to drink because maybe they feel anxiety or they're shy or they're nervous. So whether it's dating or like a work event, they're like, oh, I need a drink or two just so I could be the best version of myself Mm -hmm. or I don't feel inhibited. So for me, my mentality has always been, no, you're just going to have to learn to be social Mm -hmm. because- if you need a drink to be with this person, you don't like them. Yep. And yeah. so maybe that means you should leave. That's how I am like now. Like now yeah. that I've gone to them, like I don't need to have a drink. If I have a drink, it's because I want to, but I don't really drink a lot anymore. Isn't like, it crazy? I, I don't get the urge to drink. Um, I'm not at all like I used to at least. Like high school allow and college allow is a good time. <laughs> a lot of drinking, but now I'm like I'm okay without it. But it was that. So what, am I missing something? It's the water, the diet, the no alcohol. Oh, the workouts, yeah. The work. Oh, yeah. So it's two, two workouts. workouts. So it's two forty-five minute workouts a day. One has to be outdoors, rain or shine, and That's they cannot the be back to. They. I just think like they can't be back to back. So you can't do like a, a ninety-minute workout and knock them out. Like I remember, I think in the book he says like three-hour minimum or something like that. I heard that somewhere. Like they have to be spaced apart because it's supposed to be inconvenient to force you to find the time and make the time for it. Yeah. And people always say, I don't have time for that. But when you do the program, you realize how much time you spend Mm -hmm. wasting time. And then you realize how much extra time you actually have. Well, especially in this era of like TikTok and social media. And your phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I personally like also if you work all day, especially if you have an office job or even opposite, like if you're like you're on your feet all day long as well. Yeah. You like need to move. Yep. So I've actually, even when I'm not on 75 hard, I have integrated a lot of the tasks into my life. Yeah. It's just it's, helpful. It's I just, think. It, I, I honestly think that that is the guide to the best version of yourself, but just like a healthy lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. it's not hard to read every day, drink it's water. Not. I mean, right now it is season of life I'm in right now. I forget to eat, yeah. but um, it's not hard. But yeah, so that's the program for anyone wondering what it is. Look it up online. It's, truly essentially what kicked the whole my whole like new life I would say like the the best version of me um but I so I did that and then I I did that so I did 75 hard he didn't want to do it with me but I would drag him I know he was also struggling mentally because we were both not in good places um at like one point in a relationship just with a lot of things that we were dealing with in life not just our relationship um but that's that's 
what helped me like get out of everything because it just forced me to take care of myself. So I did phase, I did 75 hard, then I did phase one. Then you have to wait 30 days between phase one and phase two minimum. Like you can't go, you can't jump right into phase two. It's supposed to be like a test, I guess, essentially. Like if you can actually keep those habits that you've built and then have to pick back up for phase two. So I did phase two. And then phase three, it takes place 30 days before your first day of 75 hard. So you go all these months without being on the program, essentially. But I, I found myself craving a challenge once I had already kind of overcome those three parts of it. And so I decided to do 75 hard again one more time. Um, and I actually did it around my birthday. So I did 75 hard through my birthday this in 2022. And then I completed 75 hard, the whole like live hard program, um, May 2022. I did phase three. And so I did it all. Um, and people always ask me, they're like, did you ever cheat it? Did you ever fail? Did you ever this? And I'm like, no, I didn't because I was so committed. That was, I think I had so much more to lose by just like failing it and being like, okay, I failed. I'm just going to start again. I was very depressed and I knew that that was my way out. And then once I knew that, once I started getting kind of like feeling better, I didn't want to turn back. Like yeah. I, I I, felt like if I allowed myself to to skip a workout or to just fail, it was going to take me back to that place. And I was fighting so hard to not go back there. So for me, it was more so like harder to give up than it was to just keep going. Like it was easier for me to just keep going. I think that's very relatable. Like last summer, I had kind of fallen into a season of like depression that I didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until like my coach Jeff realized it. Um, so I was going to the gym five days a week and I was really good about always going in the morning. And then slowly, like when you're in that season, you just stop wanting to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and you kind of fall into this weird funk. It's really hard to explain unless you've been through yeah. it. But like what happened was is my morning workouts, instead of waking up at five, the next thing you know, I was waking up at six. Mm-hmm. And then I was like too late to do it before work. So then I was doing it after work. And then maybe I'd miss a day here and there. Yeah. And then he just saw me slipping and he was able to like slap me back back to like reality, which was so incredibly helpful. And I'm so grateful for that. (laughs) But like that is why like for me, it wasn't 75 hard, but that concept of a challenge, that's why I'm like so committed to going to work out first thing in the morning. Because for me, if I don't, that's like a sign of me slipping into yeah. something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel that. I feel that 100% that I've had points in my life since then that I can catch myself kind of not, not that I don't want to, but that I'm so exhausted. And I'm like, if I don't do it, I'm going to not feel good. And then I catch myself not feeling good. Like movement really is medicine for your body mm-hmm. and your mind. Um, so we're going to get somewhere. This is all, this is all important, <laughs> but I ended up completing the program. I was the best version of myself at that point in my life. Cause that was about a year ago. Um, I've definitely grown much more since then. I feel like we all we all do work, always growing. But that point in my life, I thought, okay, I'm in a good place. Like things are gonna be good in my life. Literally a week, not even a week, maybe like five days after I finished the whole Live Hard program, my ex boyfriend breaks up with me, like very suddenly, like that. Just comes out of left fields. Um, so that rocked my world. I could not comprehend how somebody didn't want to be with me after I had done all this work and I was really, truly in such a good place. Um, moved out. I, I timed it. That's what I was going to take pick up on. I timed it. We spent eight years together of that year, eight years, maybe six months have like broken up on the times that we had broken up. 
And it took me four hours. I think it was like three hours and 50 something minutes to pack all my stuff out of his house and know that I was never going to go back there. Crazy. And I, I recorded it because I timed it because I wanted to know. I was like, I don't want to ever go back. I want I want each part of this whole journey of me moving on to like really, I want to feel everything because I don't want to go back to a place where I'm not wanted or I'm not, like I'm not getting the love that I'm giving back. I don't want to be where I don't, where I'm not appreciated essentially. So I felt I wanted to really f- deeply feel everything. Um, and I started therapy. I, thought, I think therapy is great. Um, I started therapy, helped me unlock a lot of things that were going on in my life. I focused on healing myself. So I had a lot of people in my life say, okay, you're single, like go out, have fun, go party, do your thing. And I was like, that's the last thing I want to do. I want to, I want to process everything because I don't want what I'm going through right now to be stored in my body because I'm not allowing myself to feel things. And then it ends up coming up in a few years in a very inconvenient manner. And I could probably hurt someone else because I didn't heal this version of myself. Mm -hmm. So I dedicated myself to myself. Like I would always say, I'm just going to date myself for a year. But I said, if I meet someone, then I meet someone and that would be great. But I was very much just like, I, I wasn't even looking. I just was not interested in dating anybody. Um, I just, I wanted to really focus on myself. And I had people ask me out. I had people, um, you know, like make hints and kind of tell me that they liked me and pursue me. And I just would keep saying, I'm very sorry. I, I just don't want to be with anybody. And they just weren't the people enough, I guess, to turn my head enough to be like, okay, let's do it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I was so hurt before like me committed, me committing to actually healing myself, I wanted to run away. Like it was such a, painful thing like heartbreak hurts physically so much like it's not just an emotional pain like you physically feel like sick yeah like I remember the night that I went to my mom's house the first night when I slept in my sister's bed and I hadn't slept like I had slept in my in our bed what was like our bed for years and I had slept like in I had my own bed before then before I had moved into his parents house and sold all my stuff so like what I knew was familiar to me and what was comfortable for me was taken from me so quickly and sleeping in my sister's bed who's my family my sister's my best friend felt so strange to me I remember just getting up and going to the bathroom and crying and feeling like somebody had literally just like stabbed my stomach because I had this like pit in my stomach that actually physically hurt and I just felt like my heart I just felt like somebody had ripped my heart out of my chest stepped on it right in front of me like spit on it like it just felt like the most awful type of pain and I wanted to run away from it like as like by nature like fight or flight kicks in you don't want to be in an uncomfortable and like painful situation so you people most of people go out and party after a breakup they go out they go wild they drink they meet other people to distract themselves and numb themselves and sitting in your own pain is very uncomfortable but because I had followed Andy Frazella and I had seen everything else like maybe i'll move like maybe i'll move to st louis but i didn't know anyone in st louis i didn't even know what i would do in st louis i was kind of just like trying to run away from my pain and i told myself i made a commitment to myself um i'm not gonna go anywhere until i deal with what i'm going through i don't want to run away from anything if i go it's going to be at the right time once i've processed everything i'm going th- like going through and it's the right timing i guess um my therapist taught me the power, showed me the power of journaling, um, which all of this will 
playing because I just feel like my life the last year has really just one thing has just always tied to the next. It's kind of crazy. Um, so she showed she's like start journaling. She it's called alignment. Yeah, it's so crazy. If you're into like law that of attraction. <laughs> if you're, I'm very into like law of attraction and energy. And so like when things like serendipitously mm-hmm. almost seem to flow one into the next, yeah. it's because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and it's yeah. like the universe or God is like. Good job. Yeah. Keep going. You're doing great. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, so she she showed me the power of journaling. She's like, start journaling. Start writing down your emotions and just write down what you're feeling. And I started finding a lot of like relief in that. Like I just started feeling good getting it all out. Because in the past I would just kind of like hold it all in. Um, you mentioned before how people in relationships only share the bad. I would only share the good. I would never talk to anybody about the bad because I was a very big on, I am very big on your relationship should be private. I feel like you should, should protect be. it. Not everybody should know what's going on all the time. They should, shouldn't, but unfortunately a lot of people, people do, do overshare. Yeah, yeah. I, I think oversharing is more so damaging than it could be good. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk to people in your life. I just think- Be careful. Be careful who you talk to and what you say because mm-hmm. ultimately people will change their view of certain people and you want to protect that person too. Like that's the thing that they, the person that you're choosing to be with, you should protect them. Um, and you should protect your relationship. So I would never share the bad. I would only share the good. So when I was out of my relationship, I started just letting things out. And I was like, well, then he would do this and this would happen. And it was kind of just like I was overwhelmed with emotions. Journaling helped me just get it all out and process all of it. And a year went by. Uh, well, a few months went by. Highs and lows. Grief is very hard. Grief hurts like hell. Um, you have days where you feel like, oh, I'm good. I'm over it. I'm I'm never going to cry again. Like I'm on top of the world. I'm hot shit. I, life is good. And then the next day you feel like you are going to die and you feel a lot of anger and you feel a lot of sadness. And it's just a lot of back and forth. It's a roller coaster of emotions that I wish I could have gotten off so many times, but I'm grateful that I didn't because it eventually comes to a stop. You just have to literally ride it. And well, there's actually one point that I'm actually curious about because like the last like really hard breakup that I had was like three and a half years ago. And when that happened, I remember just feeling like I don't think my heart could handle this again, mm-hmm. like breaking like that again. Because obviously like part of dating is unfortunate, but if it's not the person, inevitably there's going to be some heartache that comes along with it. Yeah. And like everyone says it like, oh yeah, that's the way it is. But like that's really, really hard to like I know. experience, you know? So how do you how do you handle that? How did you handle that with journaling and just reflecting and like talking to your therapist and your loved ones? How do you come to terms with like that pain where you're like, how can I ever love someone again? I think it's – I think for me – I I just with all the work I've done I'm like I think I'm very much deserving of love. Like love is such a beautiful thing. Like finding your person because my relationship for the most part my relationship wasn't bad. Like we we had a really good relationship. I remember how good it feels to feel loved and I think that's such a beautiful thing. Finding your person is such a beautiful thing. I think that's worth going through some pain sometimes. Like I think you have to go through the bad to experience the good. And that's okay. Like if I would rather go through a lot of pain to find that really amazing, true, good love than just never have to, like, never feel anything at all and feel just safe. Like, yeah. never have heartbreak and just feel like I never found my person. Like, I think it's, I think it's worth hurting for sometimes. 
It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Also, maybe you wouldn't appreciate that love if you would have gotten it right away. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's you have to experience loving people. Well, like you have to have bad days to appreciate the good days. Mm -hmm. Like You don't know what a good day looks like until you have a bad day. And so right. you're like, oh, my God, this this sucks. And then you have a great day and you're like, oh, I remember how bad I felt that day. Today feels amazing. Like Right. And even like a heart, like when they monitor a heart, right? Like if you're alive, it's like – the ups mm -hmm. and downs and like the only time that it's like even keel then it's if it's flat flat line and then exactly. you're dead so exactly. if you're alive they're supposed to be you're supposed to go through life it. if you're choosing not to feel any pain because you don't want to you know you don't want to go through any of that you're not gonna get that high you're never gonna get that but high. don't you want this is one of the things like okay so especially as women i think we try to hold on to our youth in so many ways mm -hmm. But like one of the things that I've been falling in love with is like getting older and there's so many too. aspects. Isn't that so much fun? Yeah. So there's so many things about it. But one of the things that I love about getting older is that like I have built up so many experiences that now I have a frame of reference. Mm -hmm. So if I go through something, even if it's somewhat new, I've been through other hardships before. I know I've I've gone through that. I can handle this. Mm -hmm. You almost like you have a new toolkit. Like each time you go through an experience, your toolkit just gets bigger and bigger and yes. you feel like – it's I, I love it. It's the I, I think everyone says like your twenties are the your growth. And now that I'm 29, I'll be 30 in February. I'm like, oh my god, I really did. I lived. I, like I, yeah. I've built like you said my toolkit. I've gone through I heard experiences. Your 30s are amazing. I'm ready to be flirty and thriving. Okay, that's all I have to say. Everyone's like, Marva's like, no. <laughs> Maybe it's different for girls. Okay, I think it's so for women because women all over Instagram and like TikTok. Like I've heard so many of them say like your 30s is like. Just amazing. You know, just what, you know what it, it is? I think men mature slower than us. So I think yeah. <laughs> we need a camera to face Murph right now. <laughs> I think our 30s is your 40s. I try oh, I had another 10 years. Everybody's back hurts. My back already hurts. Yeah, I was going to say my back's been hurting since I was 23. I'm like, <laughs> no, I think Inst like Instagram and TikTok for me is tricky because I, I feel like there's just things that don't aren't real. People post things just to post them. But that's true. I have older sisters and I have people in my life that I've seen go from their twenties to their thirties and they are so much happier in their thirties. Like they're not even happier. They're so much more sure of who they are. And I think mm -hmm. when you are more sure of who you are, you have a sense of peace and nothing can shake that. Like having that inner peace, like nothing around you can bother you. Well, fun fact also, my grandfather used to say that like there's a, there's something beautiful about youth, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're beautiful or not, there's something beautiful about youth. Mm -hmm. But once you enter your 30s, it's like then if you're really beautiful, my grandfather always said like your 30s, is he, that's when he felt women were like at their most beautiful, like in their 30s. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. But um, just to – I'm just going to fast forward because it's a lot of stuff. I can literally go on to so many things. But um, fast forward. I go through all of that pain. Life gets better. But before all of that, when our relationship ended, I was working like three different jobs. That was another thing. I was kind of like the provider more than like, I mean, we we split things, but mostly I covered a lot of it. Um, I just, I was always like providing as a woman. And it's hard. Not that like you shouldn't have your own things. Like you should, but it's hard when everything falls on you to carry that load. Um, so I stopped working a couple jobs when we broke up because I just felt like I, it reminded me so much of him. So I found a job. I purposely sought out a hard job. I wanted to challenge myself because I'm all about challenging myself. And I found a sales job. 
And sales is very uncomfortable. Sales sales makes or breaks a person. And it was really uncomfortable. It was a new season of my life. I had to meet so many different people. But that taught me a lot of things for my life and like just how to talk to people, connect with people, relate to people. It kind of just helped me bring this side of me out again because I had to use this to kind of get in contact with my customers. Um, and it kind of just like let me be me again. And it was a really hard job. <laughs> if, you do, if you're in sales, my God, I pray for you. My eye twitched from day one until I left Oof. from the amount of stress that I was under. Yeah. Um, it's, I've had that. Yeah. It's a stressful job. But I genuinely think uh, sales is like one of the best uh, like I, th- I think everybody should go through a sales job at least once in their life. It just it teaches you so much, and because everything in life is sales, you you sell yourself on a date, you sell yourself for a job, you sell like you sell at all times. And I think if you learn that skill very well, you sell a message, you can sell a brand, you can sell anything. So that really helped a lot. That kind of I think that plays a big part in what I do now at Omen. It just helps me really relay a message and how to speak on it and how to share it with people and you know, make people feel things a certain way. Um, but all in all to say, I had done the program. I had the 75 hard program. I had had this job. So I was in a place where I just kept pushing myself for growth, pushing myself for growth. Like I was literally Bob the Builder on myself. Like I was just working on myself all the time. Um, I really wasn't going out a lot. If I did, I would go out with friends, but I was choosing a lot of isolation. I was, I was in a, a, a point in my life where I just wanted to be by myself so I could focus on myself. Um, but along this journey, I guess I don't remember how I went. I fell on his page, um, Mark, who's the owner of Omen. I fell on his Instagram. I don't remember how. I think I think it had to have been like Andy shared something about him or something. But I remember talking or hearing his story, and he has a crazy story. You should definitely talk to him too about that. But um, he's on my list. Yeah, he's got a cool story. Yeah. Um, his story was so captivating to me because I was like, wow, we all have crazy stories. I love learning. I think. Learning from a human being is the most like beautiful thing because people have so much to share and so much to teach with their own experiences. So I followed him and I was like, cool, I'm going to watch from afar. But this guy left his job um, to open up a coffee shop. And I was like, that's so crazy. Like from afar, I was like, that's nuts. But I saw him basically like from behind the scenes, whatever he would post, build out the coffee shop, build out his coffee company, like sell coffee online and promote it like crazy. And I just, something about the message of omen really attracted me like was really like pulling at me and i don't know if you've ever felt like you've been called to do something i never had had that feeling ever in my life but i started feeling like deep in my intuition like you're supposed to go there remember saint louis i remember that you had that feeling to go there this is this is it this is why i want you there essentially with whatever you believe in god of the universe for me was like god in the universe i don't know if it's the same thing i just kind of feel like it's like two big things just telling me this is where i want you and we're going to make it happen um but i still didn't feel ready to go i watched him for months i still didn't feel ready i was like nope i'm still i still have to deal with my stuff i'm not ready to go i'm not running away and i don't know i don't, I don't even know anybody out there like what the heck am i going to do out there by myself in the midwest I live where people vacation. Why am I going to go to the Midwest? Literally. I would tell myself that all the time. But it's like at least if you have humidity, there's a beach. Like There's no beach. And I'm like, where are the pools too? I'm like, what the heck? Where's the water? But because I had done so much work on myself and so much growth, I was very, I was just very intrigued by the idea of like, what if I go out there and like just see what it is? Mm -hmm. And I toyed a lot with the idea of coming to visit, but I didn't, I was just like, I'm a, I'm a bite the bullet type of girl. Like I said, like, I just, 
when I set my mind to something, I'm going to do it. Yes or yes, I'm going to make it happen. And I guess I reached the point where I was like, okay, my job sucked. I was very unhappy. The company that I worked for was not a good company. They were very shady. They were just doing some stuff that just didn't feel good to me. Um, and they just didn't treat their employees really well. It didn't matter. I, I mean, I tried really, like, I tried hard. I had some pretty good deals with my with my customers. A lot of my customers, I had to break through to their accounts. And, like, previous account managers could never get a hold of them. And I guess I got a hold of them. Like, I, I found a way to get them to connect with me. Um, but I just felt like that just wasn't for me anymore. I grew up on survival mode. Like, my entire life was on survival mode from my childhood up until that that point in my life, just surviving. Um, I have found myself in different times of my life literally taking pennies and coins out of a piggy bank to go to a drive-thru to get food. Like I have literally truly been on survival mode and that has caused me to be like money driven, just looking for stability and security. Well, at this job, I was making great money and I was like, okay, well, I did it. I, I, I figured it out. I'm making great money. Not a lot of money, but I was making good money compared to what I was making in other jobs. But I was so empty and I felt so unhappy and I felt so lost still. I'm like, I'm doing all this work. I feel good. I feel healed. But I'm lost in this area of my life. I don't feel like I'm living in my purpose. And I kept, because I was doing so much personal development, everyone talks about your purpose. And I was like, what the heck is mine? And I've always known my purpose is to help people. I just didn't know what that was going to look like, what vehicle or avenue I was going to do that in. And it's crazy. Um, I got the feeling to be out here. I eventually just felt like my job that I was at was just only, I guess, fulfilling my money-driven self, not my purpose-driven self. And that version of me was no longer me. I had yeah. shed I had shed that skin already. So I had been watching Mark for a while and I kept feeling just called to do it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna message him. I'm just gonna be like, hey, I saw that you're hiring. Um, and I literally, I, I feel like I could find it. I just, we've messaged so much since then I'd have to find it. But, um, I think it was something along the lines of, Hey, I saw that you're hiring or I saw that you had asked for resumes. Are you still hiring? Um, I know this is kind of crazy, but I kind of feel like I'm supposed to be there. I'm supposed to be a part of this and I would love to be a part of it. I do live in Miami, but if, if it's the right fit, I would make the move. Homeboy did not take me seriously at first. Like he did not. He he was like, oh yeah, I am hiring, but he didn't really like ask questions. He didn't like. He didn't like kind of. I don't even think he toyed with the idea of like me coming out here. Um, but as a salesperson, you hear it a lot. The fortune is in the follow up. So I was like, I have no shame in my game. If this is on my heart and I feel this drive to be there, to be at this place and see what this place is doing in real life. Um, I'm gonna follow up. So I kept following up. He was dealing with a lot. I think he I think this was like a week, a week or two weeks before the grand opening. So there was a lot going on. Um and followed up, followed up, followed up. I think I followed up like three or four times before he sent me Grace's information. Grace is his girlfriend to have a FaceTime call with her. And we chatted. So then finally me and Grace sit through FaceTime. I remember I had just parked my car. I was sitting in my car. I had gotten home from work. It was like six o'clock or six thirty my time. No, sorry, seven my time. Um, and we're on FaceTime and we're just talking, and it all just felt so good. Like it felt, I felt at peace. I was nervous before I was talking to her on the phone, but while I was talking to her and we were talking about Omen, I started feeling peace. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not nervous. Like 
I think this is the right thing. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And our conversation, I think, was like, it's supposed to be just like a little interview. So maybe 20 minutes. I think we talked for like 40 minutes, talked about life, talked about our backgrounds. Like we just had such a good conversation. And she showed me the shop through FaceTime, took me through like all three floors, told me what their plans were. And I was like, I don't need to know anything else. I just know I'm supposed to be there. God is calling me to be there. Like God literally has kept showing me omen, omen, omen everywhere. Just go there. Um, Then a week after, she so she tells me, we hang up and she says, okay, I spoke to Mark. I want him to talk to you. He will be reaching out this week. He did not reach out that week. Again, I had to follow up again. And eventually we ended up sending some time to speak. My conversation with Mark, who had the final say with me, was very informal. The guy was driving his car, had his phone, like, literally, like, on the side of his face. wasn't even, like, looking at the phone. And was kind of just driving, like, yeah, uh, this is what I need. And if you can't do it, he's very direct. Mark is very direct. And he's very, like, this is what I need from you. He's all about the mission. He was like, look, this is what I need from you. If you can't do it and you move out here, I'm so sorry to tell you, I, would, I, will, I will have to fire you. He was, I think he was trying to like scare me to warn me like of what yeah. I was going to get myself into type of thing. Or he was just testing me. Like he was like, I want to see if this girl's like really all about it or not. Because I, he did tell me a little bit after that he didn't want me to move out here. And then he didn't want to feel guilty, but it didn't make it work. But I well, think he think was testing me. if you think about it from me. his perspective, like – It's a big jump. It's yeah, it's more a than, responsibility. Yeah, like on his end, it's like you don't have any family out here. You're moving here specifically for him, for this job. And mm-hmm. technically, technically, you don't really know what you're walking into, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I think that move of trying to scare you off was a good one yeah. because he's like – It was like a test essentially. It. Like yeah. can she handle like all of this stuff? And I, because I had done all this work on myself and I had done this program, I was like, I know what it is. I know what it's like to have high standards and I know how to keep them. Like I know how to do it. Um, so he was very informal. Our conversation was like six minutes on FaceTime. My conversation with Grace was much longer. Um, but he was like, all right, well, I don't know. I'll let you know. I referenced because I knew that his part of his story was that he was living in New York and he was making like $150,000 like, a year as a personal trainer. And he left that to work for Andy, who created 75 Hard. He has a supplement company, but he left that to make 30 grand. And I told him, I was like, I'm making more money now, and I'm going to absolutely be taking a pay cut. Absolutely. But I'm okay with it. Like, it's for the mission. I'm like, it's crazy. Your story and my story, like, I'm like, if you think about it, it's like a full circle moment. What you did for somebody else, I'm doing for you. And it just felt, it just felt right. Um, I... We end the conversation. I remember I was also sitting in my sister's car because we were at a concert and I ended up going to the car the next day to have like privacy to have the conversation with him thinking it was going to have like, it was going to be like a professional interview and it was like the most casual thing. Um, and I remember walking back into the hotel room and sitting in the elevator and just being like, I am I know I'm going to St. Louis. I'm going to be living in St. Louis in like a couple weeks. I just know it. The next day... I'm home. I had called out from work. So, well, I hadn't called out. I just had the, like the day off from work. So I was, we were away. The concert that we were at was in Tampa and I live in Miami. And um, he, he calls, he texts me. He's like, Hey, can I, can, can I call you? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. So he calls me. He didn't even say like, okay, you got the job. Come out here. His words were, you know, I'm not opposed to you coming out here. <laughs> that was how he told me to come out here. And all, 
to me, that was like, I got the green light. I didn't care that it wasn't like. You're like, I'm in. Let's go. For me, it was like, I just needed an inch. And that's all I need. Like, I will show you that I'm. You were ready to prove yourself. You were ready. I was just ready. I'm like, okay, I got it. Green light. I'm in. Um, Got the green light. It was so sweet that your whole family came to like settle you in. Yeah. It was great. That wasn't even a whole. That was like one third of that not even not even one third it's like a tiny amount it's like 10 percent of i know but still (laughs) you know it wasn't like you just they were like bye at the airport it's a hispanic thing you do everything together i love that yeah i love my family but um we so that was on a monday that tuesday i go to work i was very good about how i kept up my accounts i was very very detailed i am very detailed i kept a lot of notes so anybody who got my account after me didn't have to ask my manager a single question i had everything like logged so I didn't feel the need to give them two weeks. I was like, first of all, people are coming in and out of this company like nothing. They they replace people like nothing. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here for two weeks when I could be living my new life already and doing what I want to do. Yeah. So I told my boss, I'm going to give you until Friday. I'll tidy up everything. I, everything was done. Like mm-hmm. everything was literally done. I always had everything like so well done. But I let him know. Then I had to start letting my friends know. I didn't tell anybody that this was on my mind other than my mom and one of my friends because I didn't want anybody's opinion. It was, I used to be the type of person that I used to have to ask everybody what they thought I should do. And then mm-hmm. I started realizing it doesn't matter. It's what I want to do. And I should be able to trust my intuition a lot more. Well, that's also telling me. Add to that, what's really interesting about that is that when you are unsure about yourself and you go to other people being like, hey, I don't know about this, what's your opinion? They'll get so excited to give you their opinion and they'll be very vocal about what they think you should do and how you should fix whatever you're talking about. But they about. would never do it themselves too. Perhaps. That's debatable depending yeah. on the situation. But like, let's say the flip side of it, if you're so sure of yourself and you've made a decision and then when you are finally ready to share with other people, the way you speak about it isn't like, oh, what do you guys think? It's love. More of here are my thoughts. This is what I'm doing. If you support me, I'm so excited to have you on my journey. If not, sorry, like See you later. this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's amazing how people respond to that. And most people are weak is really what it comes mm-hmm. down to in my yeah. humble opinion. Yeah. And they'll just jump on board and like they'll follow confidence because confidence is magnetic. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 100%. And I also know that part of me was afraid that I would get negative feedback and I would allow it to take place, like to take like space in my head. So I was like, I'm just going to, I literally protected my idea of moving here and my whole, the whole possibility. Like it was a little bubble and I was protecting my bubble. Mm -hmm. Like I walked around, like nobody could know for about a month because I messaged him before the grand opening, which was in March. And I didn't hear back from him. I think it was exactly a month after I kept that to myself. Only my mom knew. I remember when I told my mom I wanted to move too. We were standing in her kitchen and I just started crying. And I was like, I'm not happy, mom. I need to do something else. Like, and I know that I need to go there. Like, it's on my heart. I feel pulled. I've never felt a calling and I feel it now. I have to go. And she was, and my grandmother had just passed away the month before. And I felt so bad leaving my mom. And I was like, I can't leave you. And she's like, you have to go. Wow. She's like, you have to go. Because ultimately, like, this is your life. You get one life. And if anything, because I kept referencing my grandmother and I was like, but like Abuelita, like my grandmother, like she just died. Like I can't like let you grieve on your own. Like that's your mom. I cannot imagine losing my mom. And she was like, Lau, your grandmother would tell you to go. My grandmother moved to the States by herself at 43, running away from an abusive husband. She started an entire life by herself out here. She had balls. Like my grandmother was a strong ass woman. 
to like to the day right before she passed away like she was just always keeping up with the times it didn't matter she didn't understand english fully she would always figure out a way to make things happen so my mom kept referencing her and saying you have to go you have to go you have to go so i did i ended up coming <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> but um i ended up whatever quitting everything i was going crazy looking for an apartment because mind you i was like okay i'm ready to go i had told mark i would be in St. Louis, I think it was like the second week of May, but I wanted to be here already. It just felt like, why Why am I going to prolong it? Why am I going to push it? So when I told him that I was going to be here sooner, he was like, hell yeah, let's go. I'm so excited. I'm pumped. Um, I And I couldn't, I remember I couldn't even tell if like he was actually excited or not because of like, I kept referencing like his demeanor on our FaceTime. I'm like, he's so indifferent, but I just can't wait to prove him wrong. Like I just, I would use that as like fuel to like come and really do a good job. Um, so we, my family and I, we were all on like apartment hunting watch. I was like, everybody look for apartments, please. Like whatever you find, let me know. We have to read reviews. St. Louis has a lot of apartments, but not all of them are good. And they, he, he had mentioned his apartment where they live. And he said, look here, there's, it's a great apartment. There's a good couple good units. I went back and forth with so many different people. I had talked to one of the leasing agents at the, the apartment that I live at now. And she told me there's nothing available until June. And it was April and I would have to find something short, short term lease, which is way more expensive because they hike up the rent to make up for the fact that it's short term. And I did not want to spend that much money. I kept praying about it. And I kept saying, I remember telling the girl, I was like, I know that you think that it's not going to happen, but God will provide. Like my apartment will show up. I love that. And she was like, I love that for you. Okay, well, I'm going to keep an eye on it. I still don't know how it happened, but I know that the guy that used to live in my unit moved into a two-bedroom unit and my apartment became available last minute. And like 12 hours before I moved, before I had all my stuff packed before having an apartment. I knew that I was leaving on Friday. What day was it? I know I got here the 29th. So I, did I leave on the 28th or the 27th? I can't remember. That's mm, always how it is, though. 27th. You have to sometimes take like that leap. That leap, yeah. I got here the 29th. So the 28th of April, I was like, I know I'm leaving that day. 28th of April, I'm leaving. I'm going to be starting my new life. And I just, I, my mom's like, but you don't have a place. I'm like, I don't, I know I don't have a place. That's another thing about me. I have a lot of faith in things just working out. And they do. And they, they do. They always, they always do. do. I feel like if you don't have faith, they don't. Right. Well, that, honestly, for anyone who like believes in law of attraction, it's like a similar concept. It's mm -hmm. like what you put out into the world is what you get back. Yeah. So if you're always focusing on the negative, the negative is going to keep showing up for you. But yeah. if you always focus on the positive, the positive is going to keep showing up for you. Yeah. And like faith is also just believing before you even have to see that you just have to have pure belief that, that it's going to happen for you. Yeah. So it did. It happened for me. And I was really happy because I didn't know anybody. And I'm like, well, at least Mark and Grace live in the same building. I have someone that I know in case I need anything. Small and community. So Yeah. And I'm already so far away from my family. Um, but I I made it. I came here. What really attracted me about Omen, though, in the first place, which I feel like is something that I want to share, too, is just his mission for opening up the, the shop. We connect so much digital, digital, my Hispanic self, digitally, but not face-to-face -face as much as we used to there's a lack of community there's a lack of connection like with people and that has led to a lot of depression and isolation and just people not feeling good because by nature like we crave community like we are community as as individuals as human beings like if you think back to our like our maybe our parents being kids or just maybe when we were kids because we we're part of the generation that grew up like knowing our neighbors and stuff our gener like our neighbors like helped 
like keep our community safe. Like I remember running like around the sh- around the street in Miami Springs where I'm from, and my friend's moms would tell my mom like, "Oh, I saw Lao like running around barefoot," and my mom would be like, "No, put on shoes." Like things like that. Like everybody just always knew what we were all up to. We don't have that anymore. We're so disconnected. And I remember thinking, I want to be a part of something cool like that, like bringing people together. Um, it's very wholesome. It's very wholesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I found since I had found my light again, I felt like the gift that I had always kind of questioned the gift of making or helping people open up and feel comfortable enough to open up to me. I'm like, maybe this is how I'm supposed to use this gift is by like connecting with people so much and bringing them into this space and showing them how beautiful it is and how beautiful the message is and make them want to keep coming back and bringing more people with them. Like, I just felt like it all just made sense. Um, but what I love about you is that you're always leveling up. So it's not like you see like the finish line and then you're like, okay, well, I got there. It's like even know. before you get to that finish line, your your mind is already turning and you're already like, okay, what's next? <laughs> what am I going to next? Yeah. And like you said part of – and you're right. What you did when you started because I was on the – observing side, right? So like I obviously have my own interactions with you at Omen, but I also I loved people watch and I would watch how you would interact with people too. And you just really made people's day. You really were doing that, bringing back mm-hmm. that old school community where people felt seen, you yeah. know? And it's such an easy thing to do, I think, because it's like there's so many times when I've gone to you know, you go to Target, you go to other like Starbucks or or like Caldies or you go to all these other places and there's people behind the cafe or behind the counter and they're they just they're there to do a job. They're not there to build a community. They're not yeah. there to build a it's connection. It's a transactional thing. It's not even like yeah. it doesn't it's not a transformational thing. And right. for us it's like transforming people's days. It's like being the best part of their day is it's it's like the most important thing to me. And now that I'm working in the morning, it's even I take my job even more seriously. Like I've mm-hmm. taken taken it seriously since day one. But like now that I know that I'm interacting with people first thing in the morning, I care even like even more. Because you could change their day. Yeah. You have no idea what they woke up with, what they're about to walk into at work. Mm-hmm. Like you might say that one thing that can change the trajectory of their day and perhaps their life. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um but you didn't even yeah. stop there. Then you created the women's group. Yeah. So because I have so many conversations with people, and like I said in the beginning, I don't like small talk. Um, I have very deep conversations with people, and I like to connect with people, but I like to understand why people are the way they are. Like, I'm a very observant person, too, apart from the fact that I just like to connect with people. I want to know, like, why, what, like, what makes you you? Yeah. And I talk to a lot of women. I talk to a lot of guys. I talk to a lot of men at the coffee shop, just it's just people. And I kept hearing like, I feel so alone. I feel I feel lost. I don't know who I am. I feel like I want to make friends, but I can't. Or I just don't even know where to start. Oh, making friends is so hard. Um, oh, no one understands what I'm going through. Yeah, everyone says life is hard, but I just, no one gets me. But I kept hearing the same like, uh, not issues, but the same like scenarios. Pattern. Yeah, the same patterns in different people. And I just kept thinking to myself, if this person would talk to this person about what they just talked to me, they would realize that they're on the same page and they relate. And maybe they can work on their things together. They can come together and like find yeah. solutions or something. There's actually – I'm not going to say the entire one because to be perfectly honest, I don't remember the entire quote. But there's this Hebrew quote that says, uh, which means the wisdom of a woman builds the home. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's very important that like, you know, obviously when people look at traditional roles, they see like the man as the provider and then the woman is like the heart of the home, right? Mm. But the thing is, is that a woman has like so much power to build that man, to feel like the protector, to be like his strongest, most masculine self. Uh-huh. And so it's like as women, if we can heal ourselves, if we can like tune into our inner feminine, we can quite literally change the world if we create a community, which is what you've done. Yeah. So I attended the first few women's groups and then I got overwhelmed. <laughs> wow is so popular. Like everyone loves love. <laughs> everyone does. And it's like each – I went for the first three ones and like each one – like brought new people. Like it just yeah. kept getting bigger. It is growing a lot. And I love conceptually the women's group, but I, I also love deep conversation. And like for me, I think it was just more of, I felt a little overwhelmed mm-hmm. by like the big group. Mm-hmm. But conceptually, I think it's amazing what you're We've doing. We've actually been breaking off into small groups to yeah. give that intimacy, like that like closeness within like smaller groups and more personal relationships um in the group so that's kind of i mean i say come back just one more time <laughs> so maybe but, after the holidays because there's yeah. a bunch of jewish holidays right around the corner i might come back because like there were so many takeaways that i got from the women's group you introduced me to journaling which mm-hmm. i've been doing ever since and oh, I've i love totally that fallen in love with it i love that and it's been so inspirational for me and then also like understanding like your the woman's cycle and your flow Mm -hmm. there's this app called 28 Mm -hmm. and i just i didn't realize how like how everything is just so affected by everything else whether it's like friendship wise socially work and how you can eat ahead of times to like make symptoms when you're actually like on your period so much better well so like men are on circadian rhythms we we like we are on a hormonal cycle right like a hormone cycle like that's what runs our lives so a, a woman doesn't understand what that looks like for them because it looks different for everybody very similar there's only four phases but different like time wise um with like within your cycles um if you don't understand what that looks like then you don't understand yourself because that's what makes us us we have seasons or we have weeks in our periods where I mean, I'm sorry, weeks in our phases where we're on our period and our energy levels are lower and we're more mm-hmm. emotional. We have, uh, while we're ovulating, we feel very confident. We have high energy. We feel very happy. Um, so like we are on a roller coaster of emotion month to month. But learning how to navigate that mm-hmm. and learning how to expect it has totally changed my relationship with it, you yeah. know? It's been so cool. I love yeah. it. So, I mean, that reason alone, I'm like, well, there definitely was amazing takeaways. I met already, like, amazing women at the group. I'm friends I, with you now. told me, like, Phoebe texted me. I'm like, I love it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. For me, the women's group, I, I brought it up I brought up the, the idea to Mark because he was like, this is all about community. And I'm like, cool. Okay, cool. We're bringing people into the coffee shop and I'm introducing people to each other. I also do this thing where we sit at the bar. If you if you have a minute to omen, if you have not come into omen and you want to meet somebody, sit at the bar. Because I'm kind of like your icebreaker. I everybody who sits at the bar, I make it a point to talk to them. And then I kind of will pull from one conversation to the next and kind of pull somebody who I had already spoken to into the conversation to introduce them to each other and Brilliant. just to make people connect with each other. Mm-hmm. And I have ha- I have seen amazing friendships come from that, like people who now hang out or will come into the coffee shop and they'll sit next to each other and work together because they have had that interaction already. That's so rewarding. It's really cool. It's honestly, I find my- I'm such a sap. I, I find myself just standing in behind the bar and just like looking around. I'm like, this is my life and this is so cool. I get to be a part of this really 
cool project. Like yeah. it's just the coolest thing. But I brought up the idea to Mark because I said, okay, if we want people to really connect and come together, we need to give them a way to do that. And I think men and women's group would be great. And he's like, heck yeah. Like he's been very great with letting me present ideas and he's been very good at letting me like uh, run, like have like a, a sort of say in these things. Um, but he said, okay, well, I'll do the men's group and you do the women's group. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll facilitate. Like I'll just, we'll talk about this. He goes, no, you have to lead it. Mm -hmm. So he's also forced me constantly to get, get uncomfortable and stay uncomfortable. This job has come with a lot of pressure. And I think I couldn't have been in a better headspace coming into it, knowing that I had done all this work on myself. I'm very coachable. I knew nothing about coffee. Oh yeah, heads up. I left my entire life, my corporate job, study like a pretty good paycheck um a my entire family like all of what i knew all of what i was comfortable with for a coffee shop and i don't even drink coffee i never made coffee at all i don't drink coffee i don't drink caffeine but it just it was where i was supposed to be and since day one i will say since being in st louis i love st louis i really am really happy here i'm going on month five um there has not been one day where I haven't felt uncomfortable. Wow. And it's not like I'm uncomfortable, like I'm uncomfortable, my life is sucking. No, I'm uncomfortable because I'm growing. Every single day I've been challenged to grow, whether that is at my job, in my relationships with people, with my friendships, dealing with like different personalities. I have been challenged to grow every single day. Coming it on a podcast. Been, it has been <laughs> <laughs> coming on a podcast and sharing my story. It has been so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. All for the best. Like, all for the best. I'm very – I think I've just – everyone says, like, get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Or what is it? Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I've really just taken that. Like, I've taken that and said, all right, let's go, that type of thing. But, yeah. Yeah. So you guys can see why we brought her on. I mean, her <laughs> story is so incredible. And I feel like we went in so many circles. Well, I have ADD. So like <laughs> I, I think I do too, kind I was of. trying to let you tell your story and like not interrupt you, but also I was like, oh, I have so many questions. <laughs> and it's like what is so nice about being like the host of this podcast is like I'm a podcast girly. I listen to so many. But like when I'm listening to other people's podcasts, I can't interject and ask my questions. But selfishly here, I can. Yeah. So that's what I like to do. You should be able to. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have great questions. Thanks. Especially in the women's group. I would love the questions that you would ask. So please come back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask, what can we do for you to help support you? If you guys are local, if you are in St. Louis, come to the coffee shop. Um, even if you don't drink coffee, we have – other things on the menu that are not coffee, but just come for the space. Bakery come. items also. I know. We have we've got the best baked goods really in St. Good. Louis. Absolutely. Like no doubt. Miss Kara kills it. Um, but come to the coffee shop, even if you don't drink coffee, come and take a seat somewhere and just watch what happens. Just kind of first of all, they come say hi to us, but also like I guess once we have our interaction and you want to take a seat, I always say like sit somewhere where you can people watch and just watch just watch to see how everything goes there's something magical about omen i agree there's so many coffee shops in st louis there's so many coffee shops all over the world i have not found or seen a coffee shop doing what we're doing like mark says it best our coffee is an ad like it's like a great feature of our coffee shop what we sell is customer experience it's an experience it's a it's literally a shift in your day like yeah. it is we amongst like each other like with the, with the both of us We'll talk about if we won or we lost an interaction. 
if we feel like we didn't really affect or impact somebody positively, the person walks away and we'll be like, oh, we lost them. Like, I'm going to get them back. We weren't able to get them. And I mean, those are far and few between because we are very intentional about what we do, but we still have those. And it really does get us like upset. Like, I'm like, I can't believe we lost that person. Like, I can't believe that person walked away without looking up from looking down at their phone. Or that person didn't really like smile. At, like, I didn't get them to smile. We really want to be the best part of your day. We really want you to walk away and say, I want to come back here again. I want to bring more people with me. So what you guys can do for me, just come to the coffee shop. Literally, that's all I ask. Just come to the coffee shop. And if you don't live here and you're listening from somewhere else, share uh, at Omen Coffee Co. online. We do sell coffee online as well. Um, and I mean, I guess also follow me on Instagram. Yeah. I I've, I struggle with the idea. I've been wanting to have a podcast for so long, I think over like two years now. But I've always struggled with going through things and talking about my journey as I go through things. I felt like I wasn't sure how coming out at the end of it was going to look like, like what that was going to look like. So I never shared as I went through things. I always share after I go through things because right. I feel like I can show you the way now. But then I just have awful imposter syndrome. I feel like I'm just a regular smuggler girl that doesn't have anything to say or no. to show. I know you always remind me of that. But No, but can I just like pause for a moment and say, A, you should follow her. Um, we'll we'll put your handle like right here so people can see it. Okay. <laughs> um be like here. It's at Lao Silva, L A U Silva mm-hmm. underscore. So And also like listen, everyone knows like you know, Instagram, sometimes you go on for motivation. A lot of times you go on because you're nosy and you mm-hmm. want to look into people's lives. And then sometimes you're just bored. Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of times I'll find myself just like, you know, swiping through everybody's stories. Mm-hmm. But I will say your stories are my favorite. Like I'm always so excited when I see your little face pop on because <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why yours is, affects me differently than other people's stories. But like when I see your stories, I don't know. It's just – it's so wholesome. It's so real. You share all all sides of your story, yeah. you know, and it's just, I love to see what you're up to. And it just, I don't know. I just, I feel your like warm energy even through oh, your stories. I have, I have my sister, like I have a lot of friends, but my sisters and their friends, like I was just in Miami last week for mm-hmm. my first time going back home. And they all tell me that they're like, whenever you post on Instagram, I get so excited. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even post on my feet a lot. I don't know what your magical I thing is. I don't know is, what it is I don't know any, I swear to God, there's not one other person who and does that effect. Like I do, do. I do think being here, like I've seen, I'm around a lot of people that have big followings. I, I don't, I, I, I see how much people really follow people on Instagram, like really like they follow their, their story and everything. I'm like, I never want to portray that my story or anything is perfect. So I'm yeah. very vulnerable. Like, well, I've I been think told, yours is unique. Maybe that's what it is. It could be it. Because I, I'll see like, let's say an influencer post something and it's like, oh, that's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But then I'll be following up and I see that three other influencers do the same, same story, thing. the same thing. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not looking at real life influencers i'm looking at trends yep but i feel like yours is so real and wholesome and i would say if i were to give you advice as someone who has a podcast and someone who loves listening to them for your podcast it should probably be two time like two things one i would say you have so many connections you should interview different people because that will bring an element of like newness to each episode true but then in addition to that maybe there can be like smaller segments where it's just Lao's thoughts 
Yeah. And you could share, you don't have to share your journey like you did in this episode in one full swoop, right? Like mm-hmm. you can break it up into segments. I think it's like life lessons. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've been told my vulnerability is my superpower by a lot of people. So yeah. I, I want to build on that. So this is going to hold me accountable to get, to get my will. podcast started. You have a few months because I I'm posting an order. I've been recording. Okay. So how much? Okay. I got Give me some time, girl. So you, you have like three months. <laughs> okay, good. Well, maybe that's too much time. I need to bite the bullet and just get it I done. I mean, listen, I will say this. If your podcast is live, by the time that this episode goes live, I will link your podcast info oh, okay. and send people towards you. So that can be <laughs> we gotta go back and forth. Like, yeah, you have three months to go live. Okay. You have all the equipment. <laughs> you have the story. You just gotta do it. I know. And I think everyone has a story. I just... They do. And yeah. that actually, we'll wrap it up with this because we can talk for hours. I know. <laughs> and we're gonna continue this off camera. But um, so the whole basis of my podcast is there's this Hebrew quote, which is which means one who is wise is one who learns from everyone and everyone has a story. And so we want to just say thank you thank for sharing you. yours. But before we go, if you can share a quote or a life lesson or something impactful that you want to share with the audience before we end. Yeah. So um, you asked me this before we got on here and I was like, I don't think I have anything. But I went through some notes in my in my um, like I keep notes on my notepad, and I remember that I took a screenshot of something that I read recently, and I'm like, I've lived my life like this in the mm-hmm. last at least in the last like year and a half at least, and it says everything that is truly right for you will make you feel at peace. Ooh. I think we always think, especially like romantically, oh, it's exciting, it's meant for me, and like you're supposed to feel the nerves and the excitement and the butterflies and all of that. But I don't think that's necessarily an indication that something is right for you. I think when you have deep, true peace, it just makes you feel at home. Real happiness. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just feels right. Like, true alignment comes with peace, I think. So follow the peace. I love that. Yeah. Ah, so great. Um, You guys – Another great episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really proud to say that you can find us on all channels now. We're everywhere where podcasts are. If you want to watch the video and you aren't already watching it, you can find us on Spotify and YouTube for the video version. And I hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. Let's get it. Let's go.